Welcome to the Wisdom of the Womb podcast, your home for mind, body, and soul wellness for women. My name is Stephanie Adler. I'm a certified nutrition consultant, birth doula, and women's hormone and fertility expert. I've supported hundreds of women in having healthy cycles, healthy babies, and building a balanced foundation in their bodies and minds to set them up for a limitless life. Now it's your turn. I believe a woman reaches her full potential when she trusts the innate wisdom of her body and that those women change the world. So if you're wanting to achieve hormone harmony, have boundless energy, optimize your fertility, live a holistically healthy life, and learn how to love and trust your body to become the well woman you know you are meant to be, you're in the right place. Join me for weekly wisdom on topics such as holistic hormone and gut health, fertility, mindfulness, birth, pregnancy, and beyond, and leave with actionable steps towards well womanhood. Thanks for pressing play today. I'm so excited for the magic we're going to create together. Let's dive in. Hello, podcast family. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. First of all, this is the first on-site guest podcast I've ever done. I'm sitting next to my amazing midwife who has just been I can't even share how wonderful and such a guide spiritually, physically, in so many ways throughout the last almost 37 weeks of my pregnancy, which is just so special. Um, So one, yay for being here for this specific podcast (laughs) to mark the sacred time. Um, And also, I'm just so excited for all of you to get to know her. Geneva and I are going to be doing a series. So this is going to be the first of a couple part series where we go back and look at how the birth went afterwards and just lessons learned. And it's going to be really special today. You guys are going to get to know Geneva a little bit. We're going to talk about the history of birth and home birth in the U.S., and, uh, talk about what a baby led birth is. And then, you know, a little bit on the specifics of my particular pregnancy. And I'm just so, so excited for you guys to meet her. So Geneva, my dear, dear mentor is a Colorado native and a mother of four. She's been a birth worker since 2003 and has attended over 800 births in homes, birth centers, and hospitals. She has a lifelong passion for spirituality, art, and self-exploration, and believes that each birth teaches her and the family she serves the life lessons they have been seeking. She's a registered and certified professional midwife, certified doula, registered yoga teacher, prenatal and postnatal yoga teacher, CPR instructor, body and energy worker, doula trainer, author, artist, and activist. Can you tell she does it all? (laughs) One or two things. Yeah. And she is certified in womb massage of which I just had the privilege of getting out of one (laughs) holistic healing of the pregnant and postpartum bodies, NLP quantum transformation, and more. She loves teaching, listening to people's stories with her ears, heart, and hands, and being a vessel for transmitting divine to healing body, healing, divine healing to bodies and spirits. We are in for a treat today. Thank you for being here, Geneva. Thank you. Mm. So excited and honored. Yeah, this is so much fun. So (laughs) I mean, that bio, I feel like speaks to the way in some ways that you, you know, approach your practice, that you approach life and you approach birth in that it's so much more than just 
let me check your blood pressure and weigh you. But I'd love for everyone um, to like get to know you a little bit and like what brought you into this work, what brought you into this world of the healing that you do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's a funny question because I feel like there should be this like profound answer of like, well, this thing happened and there's this moment, but like, I feel like it really just has been like this path that I was meant to be on. Like, I do feel like I have been a midwife in many lifetimes and that, um, or if not a midwife, just a healer, um, someone who walked on a spiritual path with other humans and that this is just kind of what I'm meant to do in this lifetime. Like there was never a moment where I was like, I think I'll be a midwife. Like <laughs> it was just like sort of nudged along the way, you know, of like this thing. And I mean, that's how I got so many certifications. Cause it was like <laughs> this thing and then this thing, and then this thing. And then I, one day I just was like 10 years later, I was like, Oh, and now I'm a midwife. And then like, even within midwifery, you know, of like, working with different midwives and being like, I don't think this is how I want to be as a midwife. Like, mm. I feel like it's something deeper than just checking someone's blood pressure. And so like, you know, I have this <clears throat> lifelong passion for travel too. And so like, I went to India for my yoga teacher training and just had this like download of what I wanted a midwifery practice to look like. And then was like, so let's do it, you know? <laughs> And I think that that's a really, I mean, that's something that I felt was different about you from the beginning and was what really drew me to work with you. But it's something that I think is really hard to explain to people because I think for a lot of people listening, they think midwifery care is midwifery care. Yeah. And I mean, I know with clients, I generally recommend for, for most, you know, healthy pregnancies, midwifery care over other types of care for my clients to receive the kind of support that I, they, they typically are looking for, but right. within midwifery care, there's so many differences. And so I'm curious as a midwife, can you kind of speak to what you see some of those differences in, and is it mostly based on place of birth or training? Like, what do you really feel like are the differences between midwifery care? Well, I think <clears throat> I mean, just like if you go to different doctors, like they're going to have, it really comes down to like their, their own personalities or passions, like more than anything, you know, like most of us have, uh, as midwives have similar training, like an, a nurse midwife might have a little bit different training than a professional midwife or a lay midwife. But, um, you know, the basic knowledge is the same that like, we believe that birth is normal and that, you know, we can trust women and babies and their bodies and the process of birth, but, um, the way that that manifests in each person and the way that they kind of express that in their practice is going to look differently. And I mean, <clears throat> not just from person to person, but even like day to day, like mm. it's something that I talk about with, um, like in my mentorship and my doula workshops and stuff is like, you know, even doctors, like we give them such a bad rap of like, they're going to do this to you and this to you, but like, um, you know, they see a lot of high risk situations. And so when you've been in a birth that didn't go well, you want to do everything you can to keep the next one from not going well. And right. sometimes that leads us into doing more interventions, but like, it's not coming from a place of like, 
I want to go play golf or like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I want to make more money or I want to harm somebody today, you know, but like it is coming more from a place of like, I guess, fear of like, um, I don't want something bad to happen. And so rather than trusting that something good is going to happen or something different is going to happen than this last birth I was just at that, like we can just get trapped in that fear. And so, um, this is a very long answer to your question, but yeah, (laughs) I think it's like, as a, as a midwife for me, like constantly trying to look at my own fears and be like, you know, trying not to project what I think or what I'm experiencing onto whoever I'm with at that moment, but like letting them have their own experience and trying to just be a witness to them and what, what they're learning in that moment. Yeah. And I mean, that must take so much mindfulness because we're all just a product of our experiences, right? You know, we're all shaped by experiences, stories by the, we'll talk about the media, you know, like stories that we've absorbed stories that we've maybe had passed down. Like we've talked about through our generational line, you know, what our parents' births were like, things like that. And how do we filter and screen as a care provider to like, not let that interfere with the way that you care for your clients must take so much (laughs) mindfulness, but it's so interesting. Something that when you were speaking about fear that was coming up for me is so I, I believe that a lot of people fear birth when they don't understand it, mm-hmm. right? We don't have education about something. This is why I'm so passionate about getting birthing people to think about birth before they're pregnant, yeah. right? Yeah. Because if we can educate about it, we can learn about it. Then we, it becomes something that's less scary. Totally. And I remember having a conversation with you where I was talking about free birth and you said very wisely, someone who doesn't fear birth a little bit also doesn't know birth. Yeah. And I think like the being able to live in the both, right? Like that, if you don't understand it at all, it's fearful, but that if you understand it really well, it's also healthy to have a little bit of fear. Yeah. Like it's a powerful thing. It's a big giant deal. But that, but to be able to live in the in-between of that, of like, we, for the most part, don't have to approach this experience from a place of fear, just from a place of wisdom. Yeah. I think respect. respect, That's a perfect word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how we got to this place in birth. I think that, you know, there's a lot more conversation happening probably than ever. Yeah. Thanks to social media and you know, podcasts like this one, <laughs> yes, podcasts, but just like, you know, the sharing of information. I think there's a lot more being talked about when it comes to birth, but like where has, I mean, I think that for a lot of people, it's hard for us to imagine a landscape that looks different than it does now. So can you talk us through a little bit of like the history of birth and how we got to where we are today? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think that a lot of it has been hidden. So we only even know just this like tiny little part. And like what we do know um, isn't necessarily even real (laughs) because it's like you said, it's like what the media has portrayed. Like I was having a conversation with somebody um, at some point, I don't know, like, well, you know, people, so many more people used to die in childbirth. And I'm like, but how do, like, we don't even know that really. Like that's Mm -hmm. what all the movies tell us. Like 
you know, the move, Game of Thrones, everybody dies in childbirth, you know, yeah. but that's still the media. Like we don't, we don't have records of like how many people <laughs> died in childbirth or babies died, or we just have this sense that it happened all the time back then. But anyway, um, so a lot of the like history of really like natural medicine has been hidden like pushed underground and um, it started really um, with the like inquisition. So like many hundreds of years ago <laughs> when the uh, <clears throat> Catholic church started expanding and they Western medicine kind of um, coincided with the Catholic church. And so the doctors worked for the church and the church um like doctors were really like practicing medicine, practicing, right? And <laughs> so they needed people to practice on because they were, you know, they had to practice to figure out how these things worked. And so they, um, the church basically said that if anybody was um, found either, you know, practicing medicine without a license, which meant if you were a midwife, if you were a natural healer, if you were a shaman, that you were practicing medicine without a license, that you could be killed. Yikes. And um, there's like guilty by association. So if you were found seeking guidance, seeking counsel from someone who was practicing medicine without a license, you could also be killed because Yikes. you were guilty by association. And so like, we all have this in our DNA, in our ancestry, like uh, people particularly of European descent have this fear of dying for seeking counsel from somebody who's not sanctioned, um, somebody who's not mm. practicing medicine with a license. And so, you know, that's passed down in our DNA and probably most people, particularly white people, people of European descent have this fear like bred into us of seeking counsel of somebody who's practicing medicine without a license. <clears throat> and so that can make it really scary to think about. Like, we don't even know why we think it's scary. We just know that it's scary to like wait a home birth. Like it's not even because like, we don't know anybody that's done it, but there's like something deeper, mm. like inside of us. That's like, this feels scary. And we're not even sure why. And that's what I believe is that it's like, it's in our DNA from you know, generation upon generation of people not being allowed to, or being killed for, you know, seeking, seeking what felt right to their spirits or to their bodies, that there was only one right answer, not because it was the right answer, but because you'd be killed if you picked a different answer. Wow. That's wild. And so in the West or in the U S Let's, let's just say the U.S. for now, because we can narrow it down a little bit easier. Like, what is the history of uh, specifically birth being a more medicalized event? Was that like traced back from as far back as, you know, like the beginning of this yeah. country or was that a more recent? Well, <clears throat> I mean, when most of the um, European midwives had either been killed or pushed underground. So when the colonizers came to this country, like they didn't have that, their own like rich history of birth or of, you know, spiritual 
medicine or natural medicine. So they came here and there was the indigenous people here who had been doing natural birth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, we killed most of them (laughs) and then brought Columbus. (laughs) Yeah. Brought, um, you know, the slaves over from Africa. And so really it was like some indigenous people and then the um, midwives who came on the ships from Africa who kind of maintained that practice of natural birth. So, um, you know, most people in America until about, you know, the early 1900s, mid 1900s still had their babies at home, but there was like a whole campaign. So it was indigenous midwives or um, we called them the grand midwives, granny midwives, midwives. um, who were the slave women who passed on their traditions uh, who were catching babies at home. And then again, like <laughs> the, the number one reason for hospital admittance in America is birth. So it's a giant moneymaker, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, getting people to, uh, switch from, you know, having their babies at home to coming to the hospital was mostly driven by money. And so there was like this giant smear campaign against any of the indigenous midwives or um, immigrant midwives, the grand midwives and saying like how dirty they were and how there was, you know, they were killing babies with their germs. And, mm-hmm. and you know, honestly, at the beginning of people moving into the hospital in America to have their babies, they um, the maternal death rate was actually higher in the hospital than it was at home because nobody actually knew about like hand washing or yeah, that doesn't surprise anything me. like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I forgot what your question was. I'm just rambling now. So just the history <laughs> of like medicalizing birth in the U S and so it sounds like until the early 1900s, most people still had their babies at home. Mm-hmm. So it's really only been in the last 120 years that we've had this massive shift to the hospital. Yeah, definitely about the past hundred years. And now approximately one to 2% of people give birth at home. Yeah. It's one of the things like when I really think about it, I'm like, wow, like whoever, (laughs) I don't know, it's not probably a person or anything, but like the fact that like our whole culture can be so like, I don't know what the right word is like brainwashed or programmed, but like pretty much, I mean, 99% of people wouldn't consider having their baby anywhere, but at a hospital. And then it could happen that quick to be like, you know, this is just what people do. And if you don't have your baby at home, then you're like some, I mean, I'm sorry, if you don't have your baby in a hospital, then you're some kind of like freak, like, Mm -hmm. wow, you're really brave or like, you're really crazy. You know, there's some kind of like feeling around it, but like that happened really quickly. Yeah. For everybody to switch like that. It's been such an interesting observation. I I feel like, I don't know if it's just as I got more visibly pregnant, you know, it's only been in the last maybe two months that people have started asking me, where am I delivering? Mm -hmm. And like that question is triggering for me on a couple levels. Like we, I don't use the word deliver when I talk about birth. Yeah. Um, and so like my, close people to me know that like, that isn't a word that I use and why, but I'm not going to like be at a one-year-old's birthday party. And everyone who comes up to me and is like, where are you delivering? Be like, you know what, actually, <laughs> I don't use that word because of these couple reasons. 
Um, you know, but I'll say actually, you know, or like at home Mm -hmm. and just seeing their reactions has been really interesting. No one has been like, really like in a, you know, your crazy way, but kind of in a little bit of like a, Oh, you know, like back away slowly. (laughs) Is it contagious? You know, like there's, there is a funny thing that, you know, I feel like goes through people's mind. And then some people have questions, you know, and I'm so always happy to answer them. But I think for a lot of these people, I mean, I'm for sure the first person that they've ever met who's yeah. having a home birth. Actually, I did meet one the other day when I was in this big group and she was like, actually, my mom had me at home. Um, and I was like, awesome. Let's talk about that. You yeah. know, and it was really fun to be able to hear her story too. Like she, her mom was like up in the mountains and it was like, this sounds like a really beautiful experience. But so, I mean, I find it really interesting. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me if one to 2% of people, right. That I maybe am the first person that a lot of people will have met, but I think there's this perception like you said, of home birth people being like a little crazy or, (laughs) you know, I always think that people think it's like a super hippie, crunchy, like off the grid thing to do, but we know that that's actually not true. Right. And so I'd love for you to speak if you can about just some of the diversity of the clients that you have and like why people would choose a home birth over going to the hospital. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I definitely attract a particular type of client, you know, because it's all the spiritual goodness. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think that most people who are choosing home birth are people who are willing to think for themselves, (laughs) who aren't just like, you know, oh, I'm pregnant. And that means I go to the doctor and I do this blood test at this many weeks. And then this other test at this next many weeks, like, instead of just being told what to do, there are people who kind of want to think more for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you talked earlier about how, you know, birth can put us in this space of fear and that, I mean, I think that that, like, you know, we go to the doctor and the doctor tells us what to do. And because, you know, I've never had a baby before, I can't possibly know what to do. I need somebody to tell me what to do, but like, um, birth can be, and pregnancy can be like such an amazing, empowering time to like really trust your own body and like, trust your own wisdom that like, you are the expert on your body. And if Mm -hmm. you can really lean into that, like, wow, I know my body better than my doctor does, you know, (laughs) what you do, um, then that just like sets you up in such a beautiful space for parenting of like, I'm the expert on my baby. Like I know when, um, you know, my baby's communicating with me and babies communicate with us all the time. It's just like another thing that we have forgotten that like babies aren't just this like blob of poop and crying, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that like their cries do mean something and that they do communicate with us all the time. And that we can learn to listen in a different way to these newborn babies that are communicating with us. And so I just feel like that whole like trust process starts in pregnancy trusting the baby, um, you know, that even in utero, these babies can communicate with us and, um, that you are the expert on your baby right now, because you are the only person that can really communicate with this baby on the inside. Mm -hmm. You know, your partner can learn your baby's cries just as well as you can, but he can't feel that baby kick. Can't say kick twice. If you want to move, (laughs) 
<laughs> right before this podcast recording, I had a prenatal and a womb massage and baby is hanging out posterior despite me sitting in all the right ways and all doing all of the things. And we were, you know, Geneva very wisely asked me like, is, do we want to move him or is he there for a reason? And I kind of jokingly was like, kick twice if he wants us to try and move you. <laughs> and he did. So we tried and we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's something I appreciate so much about you is, I mean, I have never felt more empowered that's about beautiful. my body and about my ability to, to take care of a baby. And I mean, it does start in the womb and I, Immediately once I hired Geneva, I found out she had a book and I read her book called Wisdom from the Womb. We'll link it in the show notes here. And it's really about the magic of a baby led birth. And I had been in the birth world adjacent for years and I had not really heard anyone speak about this concept of a baby led birth or baby led pregnancy. And so I'm curious more like yeah, just like, where does that come from? You know, like, where did this like notion or this connection uh, get inspired from for you? And yeah. I mean, I think it's something that's common with a lot of midwives that we do incorporate babies into care more so than like an, an OB or, you know, just like your, your standard practice um, does like, um, I know my midwife, so I had two hospital births and then two home births and like my midwife um, really opened my eyes to like, I felt like I was always really connected with my babies, um, but like that, that was a thing, you know, mm. but like, oh, I am connecting with this baby, you know, um, but uh, I mean, honestly, again, I like, <laughs> I knew I wanted to write a book and then I was like, what am I, I mean, obviously I'm going to write a book about birth. And then I was like, what am I going to write about? And it just was like, you're going to write about a baby led birth. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, it wasn't a thing that I was like, I'm going to write a book about this. It just was like, I was guided, pushed along the path to mm-hmm. like, this is what you're going to write about. <laughs> Something that I appreciated so much about your book. And I felt like it just, it, 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 it's so much of, I mean, this whole conversation is about like the returning to, right. Nothing we're actually talking about is revolutionary, right? You know, this is probably how all of our listening, great, great, great grandparents did this. Right. And, you know, and I think that that's important to remember. It's a going back to not like a reinvention of, and, like so much of what I educate about, you know, so much of our food and so much of our, the way that we live, not spending all of our time indoors versus being outside. Like this is actually what's new to the human condition. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think that when we go back to what we, we had been doing for likely thousands and thousands, maybe even longer going to the whole pyramids conversation <laughs> that we were having <laughs> several weeks ago, they like years ago, it, it, it just like makes sense. And like, it like cl- something clicks for a lot of people, I think when they step into that. And so about your book, something around that baby led birth, I remember talking to my parents about it actually, after I had finished the book and I was like, of course, babies are like, know how they're supposed to be born. You know, like we're partners in this. And I think that, and also just like we, as a Western culture, 
try and like are so disconnected from our babies in some ways that we do all mm-hmm. these things to try and connect to them, like decorate the nursery right. and have a bunch of ultrasounds. I mean, yes, it's fun to be able to see your baby on an ultrasound. I did one. It was beautiful, but yeah. like, there was also something I felt even more connected to my baby by not needing to see him on the ultrasound yeah. to know that he was good. Yeah. Right. And so like kind of going back to this idea that like, wow, if I believe in my baby and his wisdom to know how he's supposed to be born, that totally changes the way that I can feel about going into this birth experience. Totally. And it's so understated. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge lesson in trust and, you know, trusting our babies and trusting ourselves. And yeah, I think it really just all comes back to that. I've been having something that's been coming up a lot in my prenatals recently is like weight gain. Mm. Um, and that like, I'm like, you know, who, who says what the right number on the scale is, but like, if we want to trust our bodies that they can give birth, if we want to trust our bodies that they can heal postnatally, like, when does that trust start? Like, can we trust our bodies that if we nourish our bodies in the right way, that they're just going to gain as much as they need yeah, <laughs> for that body to be nourished and for that baby to be nourished. And, you know, the nourishment prenatally isn't just about growing a healthy baby, but it's really about like supporting a healthy body for the rest of that woman, mother, person's life. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, how much more there is that we can trust that, like we can really lean into, um, you know, trusting ourselves. Uh, so yeah, it's just really interesting, um, how deep we can go on like any of these different tangents of trusting the baby, trusting our bodies that like this process has worked since the beginning of time. And like, there's nothing about an ultrasound that's going to make your birth go better. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> they can make them go worse. <laughs> you know, like I recently, I actually didn't recently learn this, but I was recently talking to someone about how like late-term ultrasounds can be off by two pounds. And like how many yeah. people have been induced because it's like, oh, we're really worried you're gonna have a really big baby yeah. based on this ultrasound. And then they come out and they're like eight pounds, five ounces. And you're like, yeah, what? Smaller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We put a lot of trust into science and experts and authority outside of ourselves. So like your original question on this little (laughs) Mm -hmm. tangent that we went on was like, who has home births. And I think like, you know, it's people who are trying to learn to trust themselves and who are trying to find that authority within themselves instead of looking to outside expertise. Yeah. And we were talking actually about a client of mine who works in the hospital system and Geneva reminded me about this documentary, which I actually haven't seen, but I did recommend to her called why not home. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting because it's specifically about people who work in the healthcare system and who Mm -hmm. work in hospitals who decided to have home births. Yeah. And like, I think that's a really neat perspective Mm -hmm. because I think, you know, and even when I was doing, um, my birth class here, you know, there was a woman who works inside a hospital and there's a nurse who is choosing to have a home birth. And I I just think that that's a really interesting piece. If anyone is interested, I have a, I wonder if I can link this in the show notes, it's a PDF, but it's like an essay from when I did my doula training about like a dad writing about why they chose to have a home birth and they Mm -hmm. live in like a very affluent, you know, DC suburb. 
And he was like, we were the only person, you know, but then once I started learning about it, it made so much sense. And, you know, he kind of talks about their journey to home birth. And I think it's such an interesting perspective because so many people rule themselves out because they're like, I'm not the archetype of someone who has a home birth. Right. When it's like anyone who is just down to make decisions for themselves. Yeah. I will say like one of the first things that came to my mind when you asked that question originally, like, you know, when the pandemic first started in 2020, it was like overnight somewhere around, you know, end of March, 2020, it was like literally from one day to the next, it wasn't crazy anymore to have a home birth Yeah, (laughs) because people didn't want to go to the hospital. You know, Mm -hmm. people were dying in the hospitals of something we didn't know anything about at that time, you know? And so like all of the midwives, like our phones were like ringing off the hook. Like we not, we had never been busier before. And, and so many people were looking at home birth because they were afraid of going to the hospital. Mm. And that was really a, like an eye-opening lesson too, um, of like, I mean, I think we all knew this, but like, we just learned it in a different way that like, you can't have a baby at home because you're afraid to go to a hospital. Like that is not a reason to have a home birth. Like there's just so much more like preparation and trust that has to happen. Like it, it, choosing to not go to one, like to do it one place. Cause you're afraid of the other places. Not, not a good reason, to not that. a good way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. And I mean, that was something that you, this can kind of transition us into the second part of this podcast. Like that was something you really illuminated for me. I mean, I always have felt like I was supposed to have my babies at home from the time I was 12 or 13. And I don't love hospitals. Like I definitely experience fear around hospitals because I've only ever been there when I was sick. Right. Right. Like I had an appendicitis that did not go well and was re-hospitalized. You know, I have had urinary tract infections that have become kidney infections where I have to like, it, it, it is a bad association for me. Yeah. And so I do feel fear around the hospital. And it was definitely something that I felt like I had to work through after you said that to me, like being afraid of the hospital is not a reason to have a home birth and like really sit with myself and be like, is that part of it? And I, and I'm sure there's an element of it that is, yeah. Um, but something that I just so appreciated about your perspective and your care. And I think that everyone and their care providers should be talking about is like face the fears, yeah. deal with them before it's go time. Yeah. Right. You know, like around whether it's a cesarean or just around birth itself, I think a lot of people experience fear around that. And so I'm curious, like what are, and I know because I've gotten to work with them, but you know, for anyone who's listening to this, who does have fears around birth of any kind, or, I mean, I guess it could be about anything. How do you typically encourage clients to, to deal with those ahead of time? I mean, I think it looks really different for every person, but, um, then the thing I usually recommend to start with is like, um, you know, every day or every other day, like depending on how much time you have left in your pregnancy, (laughs) like visualize your ideal birth. Um, you know, maybe get in the bathtub or, you know, wherever, go to the river. Obviously I'm a water person. I say all water things, but take a shower (laughs) wherever, like you can feel really peaceful and just like grounded, connected to yourself where you can like really feel whatever you're feeling that, um, you know, visualize your ideal birth. And when we do that, like 
things always come up. Like our minds are just that way that you're like, I'm picturing this beautiful birth, but what if this happens, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so instead of like, I feel like our MO is to be like, you know, plug your ears and be like, la, 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 like close your eyes. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to think about that thing. Why did that even come in? Like stupid mind, like stop making that come in. I'm trying to visualize my ideal birth right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So instead of like being like, no, I'm not going to think about these things to really instead like follow, follow that trail. Um, where is it taking you? What is it trying to tell you? Like, what is it that you're afraid of? So like, what if I have a C-section? Well, what, what if you have a C-section? Like, what would that be like? What would you feel? What fear is behind that? Like, um, you know, having your baby born by surgery is, you know, maybe not ideal for a lot of people, but it is a beautiful way to have a baby for a lot of other people, you know? Yeah. And so, um, like what is behind that fear of a cesarean, if that's, what's coming up or what is behind the fear of, you know, <clears throat> if you're saying you're not going to have an epidural and then you, you know, you cave and you get one, like, what is that fear? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, really most of our fears all boil down to a few of the same things for everybody, like a fear of um, not being good enough, a fear of failure, a fear of not belonging in some way, um, and ultimately a fear of death. But, you know, if we are shamed enough that we will actually die from our shame. Mm. And so it's much deeper thing, but, um, you know, actually spending time following those fears and shining light on those fears and instead of just focusing on the positive. No, I think that's another thing in our culture right now. That's like, just focus on the positive, you know, always think about the good things. Think about what you want. You'll manifest it. And like, you just don't ever think about anything bad. Nothing bad will ever happen. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. And even just on that. So I, as I mentioned, I had a womb massage before this and we also went like places I was not expecting to go in terms of, you know, with, with some of the energy work too. And something that I realized during that session, and it feels really vulnerable to share this, but I think some of my fears around this birth and this pregnancy, um, around like, if it doesn't go the way I know like man plans, God laughs, you know, I I don't, (laughs) I fully expect it not to go exactly the way that I've journaled it and visualized it a hundred million times. But you know, if it doesn't, if it veers very far off from that, I actually realized during this session that one of those fears is that I won't be able to give my, or I don't feel like I, I would be giving my child the gift of the entrance to the world that I want him to be able to experience, Mm. you know, my, the birth that my mom had with me was very traumatic. And I grew up with that narrative. She told me all the time about it, Mm. you know? And when you asked me to connect with like how that felt and it felt scary. Right. Mm. And it felt like a really violent way to enter the world. And I, and I almost wonder, I hadn't, I hadn't actually put these pieces together. If, that was maybe triggered when I was, you know, 12 or 13 and went to the hospital to see someone who had a baby 
And so all the babies, my mom, like weirdly liked to go and look at the babies in the nursery. Like if she was at the hospital for any reason, she would like go and look at all the babies in the nursery, which in some ways is cute. But like now knowing what I know about babies being separated from mom, right. And it makes me really sad. Yeah. And I wonder if like being in that setting and that experience, like triggered something and and was like, well, you should have your babies at home because hopefully it's a less violent way to bring them into this world, you know, than the way that I entered. And so it is just so interesting to be able to like connect to some of these fears and be like, okay, well, what is my fear around if I'm exhausted and like I tap out? Yeah. The fear I think is then the cascade of interventions will happen. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I might be hurt in the process and that my baby's maybe not going to have this entrance to the world, but being able to like vocalize that right now feels so liberating. Beautiful. <laughs> so yes, everyone do this practice. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to say too, like when you're saying that, you know, thinking about, well, what if my baby doesn't have this, like quote unquote, perfect entrance into the world of like what I want for them that like, you know, there's so many things that are going to happen in this lifetime that aren't what we want for them, but just saying like, you know what, baby, this isn't what I wanted for you. Yeah. And I love you and I'm doing my best and that like, it's okay. You're still good enough. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I thought about that too, when again, on the table where, I don't know all of this for certain, but I know I wasn't breastfed, mm-hmm. you know? And so I probably, I'm sure I missed out on that, like skin to skin bonding. Right. Cause there were, you know, they didn't have the education then that totally. that was necessary. Even if you weren't breastfeeding, I know for certain I was in the nursery a lot, you know, mm-hmm. cause my mom talks about like being able to sleep and all the things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think that that also feels reassuring where it's like, if with a capital I, I end up, you know, at a hospital, I can advocate for those things as much as possible. Yeah. Right. Because I do have that education. I do have that knowledge and hopefully they'll be possible. And if not, you know, like, yes, like we can take all of that, but there is always a way to be like, well, what if that happens? And yeah, it's okay. And I mean, even following it, you know, what if that happens, what are the things I want to set up in, you know, who do I want to have support me? What things am I going to need in the hospital? What things am I going to need at home? So that you like thought about it before, not that you need to like have an exact plan for it, but you've been there before. Yeah. It's not this completely foreign, like this wasn't supposed to happen to me. Right. You know, totally. And I think that that's like really important and has really challenged me to have the hard thoughts around the different pathways that things can go. Mm-hmm. Um, And I'm grateful for having had to do it and also hopeful that those just get to be, you know, thoughts that I've had. Totally. And I think that we can exist in that place. Right. Yeah. In between. Yeah. Yeah. I want to just um, give you an opportunity to close, like in closing here to share what because you're, I, I think the way, and I was saying this to my husband. So Geneva had us answer these like really beautiful questions before our home visit, you know, and 
I sat down with them for at least an hour and thought about them and they were so beautiful. And I actually spoke to this a little bit and what I'm doing and the, what I'm doing the prepare for birth podcast. So you can listen back to that one. Um, but I remember just being like, wow, like, this is so amazing. What if everyone had to do this? And I, you know, when I gave them to my husband, he, he's like very cutely naive about that. Like not all home birth midwives are like this, you know, <laughs> like because you're the only home birth midwife he really knows. Yeah. And so he's like, well, don't, you know, and I was like, imagine like if everyone got to do this, he's like, well, everyone who does a home birth probably gets to do this. And I was like, I don't know if that's true. Um, you know, because I really think you do bring this like element of like, what is a sacred birth? And I'd be really curious how you work or how you like, uh, struggling to articulate this question, how you create this sacred space inside your container, you know, inside this, um, practice for, so for people who are listening to like, kind of get an understanding of like, what does it mean to like work with someone who wants a sacred birth for you? And just like, I'm really curious because this is, I mean, the name of your practice and it was in our questions and mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about it and I can share how afterwards, how this process has been sacred for me, but I'm also really curious on your end, like just expand on that more. <clears throat> I mean, I think what it all really boils down to is that like, I believe that we are all sacred and that life is sacred and that every single thing that we do, every breath that we take is sacred. And so that doesn't mean that it has to be some sort of like serene and like severe thing that we're like taking so seriously, but that like when you trip down the steps and laugh at yourself, that like that's a sacred moment or when you like notice a apple blossom on the tree, that that's a sacred Mm -hmm. moment, you know, that like, if we can just slow down a little bit and like pregnancy and birth are such an amazing time. Like it's almost this timeless, like everything is so fast, but so slow Mm. in pregnancy and in birth that like time takes on this different meaning that we can maybe bring into different aspects of our life and, um, and just notice that everything is sacred and that like, it's not about what I think is sacred like your sacred birth might be a planned cesarean. Um, so really just thinking about like, what does it mean to have a sacred birth and how can you have that for yourself? No matter what it really looks like, like what makes it sacred? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the most sacred thing that you've created in this container for me has been several elements of it, but I think one, like the nature of building a relationship with a care provider feels so sacred Mm -hmm. because it makes you feel so supported. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the idea that the person who will be supporting me in this journey to like portal of maidenhood to motherhood, parenthood, birth, like I'm not just a chart to, yeah. feels so sacred to me. And I think that that's like really special and something to just call out and name, you know, like, you know, my fears, you know, that my baby's been in my pelvis for like <laughs> weeks on end. And you know what certain, like, you know, those things. And I think that that's just so sacred. Um, and then also I really feel like there's been a sacred element of you 
giving me the autonomy to like make decisions, which then creates more trust in myself and in my body, Mm -hmm. which is so to me, sacred, right? Like holy really is like the word that feels resonant and like not judging me for any of those decisions. But also if I'm like, well, can I have some information about making this decision? You give it to me, right? Like I was just speaking with a client who, uh, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but who was recommended aspirin because she's over 30 baby aspirin. And that's like the standard new protocol that they're doing to everyone. And, mm-hmm. and when she asked them for some statistics around it, they didn't have answers for her. Hmm. And she was very confused. <laughs> she was like, I, so like, you know, I'm curious about them impacts of hemorrhage and, you know, like all of that. And they literally just had no answers for her. And she was like, either they're used to not used to people asking questions or they don't know, or they don't want to tell me, I'm not really sure what's going on here. Yeah. But I, I had that thought where, I mean, I had asked you about that with the GBS and the antibiotics the other day. And like, you gave me very clear statistics and it was like, you can do this or you can do this and I will support you in whatever you do. And like, I think that that is so special. Um, and so, yeah, it's just something that like, I've really wanted from this experience and I have really received. So thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. And it's also something that, you know, when I'm thinking about like my hopes and dreams for this birth experience, when I think about it being sacred, it's Mm -hmm. that like, I can continue to like, trust my body, that I continue during birth to make decisions that feel right for me and my baby. And that I feel not judged and supported and like, you know, me well enough to be able to be like, yeah, she's got this. Yeah. And I just want to say that, like, I think, um, you know, that you, you've, this isn't a new thing for you, uh, like to feel powerful in your pregnancy, but like to know that you will take that feeling of autonomy and like knowing your own holiness and like pass it forward to others that you're working with and like help them trust themselves in a different Mm -hmm. way. Like, I think, I mean, that's what to me, like this work is about is that like, it's not just that I'm hopefully helping you have a positive experience and your baby be born in a beautiful and sacred way, but that like, it does, you know, trickle out to actually create the change in our culture that like, I think a lot of us want to see Yeah, that like, this is where it starts of um, you know, just a moment of trusting yourself can change everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm so, so hopeful for like these changes coming and we, you briefly touched on it earlier, but I'd love if you just want to speak a little bit about your birth mentorship, birth worker mentorship program, because I feel like that's also a huge way how we make change. And I think so many people don't even realize you can be a birth worker. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be your full-time thing even like, but there are so many ways to access birth work. And so if this is interesting to you, Geneva, please speak about your birth worker mentorship. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you can go to my website, genevamontano.com. It'll be linked in the show notes. <laughs> um, and so it's really my like new passion project that like, I, I love, love, love working with clients and like this kind of thing, like just sitting and having conversations is really like my favorite part of my work. Like I love the babies and I love the birth, but like, this is really the juicy part to me. Um, but like, you know, you heard my whole list of certifications and stuff earlier that like, 
I can only affect so many people with this body and these hands, but like, if I can pass on some of the, the knowledge and, um, you know, just the things that I have learned over the years, not just, uh, through reading and stuff, but like all the hands-on experience. And like, I just feel like I, um, I don't know. I know things in my body and in my hands that I haven't read in books, but that I feel like I can impart to people <laughs> yeah, and that they can then impart that to other people. But that like really the most powerful way that like I, I can see some world change is through sharing some of this wisdom that, that I have gained from my womb. And, um, you know, the more people, the more birth keepers there are in the world who have this vision of birth as like world change that, um, that will change the world. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember when I did my birth doula training thinking this is just the best like childbirth class there ever was. Like Mm -hmm. everyone should do this, (laughs) even if you don't want to become a birth doula. And I think that, you know, with all of the different experiences you have, your, your ability to take someone who's interested in birth work and transform it into becoming a healer. Yeah. Is really, I mean, you can't place a value on that. Like that is just like how you really start to create and heal, create significant change and heal for won't I have this client and she's so good with words. She like plays with all these things and she like uses the word womb to be like womankind, but like with mm-hmm. womb in it, but I don't know how to say it out loud, but that's what I was trying to go for here. <laughs> I totally just butchered it. But like for, you know, for people with wombs and like womankind and like, that's how we really change the way women learn to trust themselves. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually love that you said that, that like, you know, we're not just birth workers, like we are healers. And then that's what midwives always had been and always have been. We had just have forgotten that. I mean, midwives yeah. were not just catching babies back in the day. Like they, they were the healers and, we're and we are the healers. And so you don't have to be a midwife to be a healer, but like, if you, you know, are, do feel called in any way to this type of work and it can be, you know, postpartum work, it can be prenatal yoga. It can be, you know, body work with, with women or, you know, pregnant women in particular or whatever, but that like the more that you are just passionate about empowering other people to have a different experience, like that, that is the work. A woman to that. (laughs) Amazing. So Geneva, other than your website, which will be linked in the show notes, how can people get in touch with you? Um, ESP. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Geneva Montano midwife on Facebook or Instagram. Um, I I have a book on Amazon wisdom from the womb, the magic of a baby led birth. If you want more information, I think that's a a great place to start as well. It is. I've recommended it to so many clients and it's just so juicy and so yummy. So we'll link all of the things, your socials, your website, your book, your birth worker mentorship in the show notes. And the next time that Geneva's on this podcast, I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> so, awesome. so stay tuned for that. Thank you for being here. Yeah, Thanks thank for you doing for all this. the work that you do. Mm. You're doing amazing things. Back at you, babe. <laughs> all right. Thanks everyone. Bye.